Hello and welcome to the I Can't Stand podcast. The podcast answering your questions on what life is like when you have a disability. My name's Peter, I have cerebral palsy, and I'm your host. This week, I have to say, really makes me love Instagram. I came across an amazing person named Haya Rowi. Haya lives in Lebanon, and I was so excited when she said that she'd sit down and chat to me to better understand what it's like for her living with a disability. It's one of those things that I think, my goodness, it's so amazing to think that we could connect purely because of Instagram and this podcast. So without any further ado, let's hand over to Haya. Hello, Peta. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me. My name is uh, Haya Rawi. I am from Lebanon. Uh, I am a person with a physical disability. I have upper limb amputation. Uh, I am 29 years old. Um, I work with a humanitarian organization, International Committee of the Red Cross. Also, I am an inclusion uh, advocate and influencer uh, on Instagram. And I try my best uh, to support uh, other persons with disability and to show the real uh, image of uh, how how people with disability can live uh, their lives and to be included in the society. So why is disability inclusion so important to you, Haya? I have my disability since birth, so I've been through many challenges, uh, ups and downs. Also, I had many opportunities to to improve, to challenge myself and uh, to, to overcome barriers that people with disability face. So I believe that inclusion is so important. Uh, although I understand it's not easy, inclusion is a process uh, that uh, should be done by different actors, uh, starting from the person to the society, to the work, to the school. It's, it's a long process, but we need to all work together, even persons with disabilities or without disabilities, to ensure the inclusion of persons with disability. What was it like for you growing up with a disability? Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? It was a um, normal childhood. I've been treated uh, like m- my sisters. I I feel that I am a lucky uh, person having parents who are not so much uh, protective. It was uh, a different um, situation. They were raising me to be independent, to do things alone. I went to school uh, uh, which is not dedicated for persons with disability or specialized because of my case. And I was raised like my sisters. Whenever we do something wrong, we all, <laughs> we all uh, got the punishment. But of course, uh, dealing, it, it, this is at home, but of course, going to school when we meet other children, when they see my hand, some of them, they were scared. So uh, scared of it. So it wasn't easy. Sometimes I wanted to, I felt angry. I wanted to show them my hand uh, uh, and tell them I was born like this. Uh, It's uh, something that we can't control. So um, yeah, it wasn't easy, but we, we, uh, we get through it. And I don't know what it's like for you in Lebanon, but for me in Australia, 
particularly when I was little. I was the only one in the room, only one in my class, often with a disability. Were you often the only one? Yes, yes, in the whole school, I believe, yeah. Do you think that was beneficial to you or do you think that was a disadvantage? Disadvantage because um, in society should they should see more persons with disability. I believe now uh, um, inclusion and disability is better than before. Uh, I can say here in, in Lebanon and Middle East. But now we are seeing more persons with disability in public spaces, in malls, in, uh, in restaurants. It depends on the accessibility, but it's, it's really, it's getting different. But of course, definitely I would prefer if I have someone else, because not to be the, the only uh, different person uh, among uh, the, the other children. I also find when I'm the only one, it means that it's up to me to educate everyone about what it is to be disabled. And as as I know, just because I have cerebral palsy doesn't mean I know what it's like for you, Haya. Yeah, exactly. So tell me about your experience of getting your first job. So I have an architecture background. After graduation, I started with, uh, I worked for only two months as an architect. Uh, but then I moved by coincidence to the humanitarian field uh, to work in the inclusion for persons with disability. They were asking for a person with disability to have this position, to have this job, because uh, they wanted to, to, to have a person with disability acting as an inclusion advisor. And uh, I was uh, the only one applying for this position. <laughs> I was using my architecture background uh, in terms of accessibility for the standards uh, like uh, the grab bars, the ramps, uh, those um, physical accessibility standards. So this was useful. Then until now, I, um, I've i been working in this field since 2016. And now I'm the disability inclusion advisor. You say you were the only one <laughs> applying, but I would say you're the only but the best, and that's what's important. I, I'm really interested to know because I have a degree in tourism, so my heart always lies with travel and exploring new places. How accessible is Lebanon? Yeah, unfortunately, it's not uh, accessible because it's uh, it's an old country with a lot of uh, old cities. You, you know that the architecture of the cities with the uh, narrow road. We have some old spaces and buildings. Uh, however, uh, we have in our laws related to construction, new buildings, uh, guidelines for making an accessible places. But unfortunately, it won't, uh, it doesn't work in all sites and cities. Uh, it, it's really different from urban to rural areas. But we can say that uh, in some places like the public spaces like malls or uh, uh, some public uh, spaces, uh, it is uh, accessible. All the universities, when we study uh, architecture, they should focus more on uh, uh, accessibility standards and they uh, should encourage more the students about the importance because if you start from this if you start educating and make it mainstreamed and uh, then of course this archi architect or engineer after graduating 
it's in his head and he's uh, totally uh, absorbing the information when he will be designing. So he will, of course, take into consideration the needs of persons with disabilities. So maybe if we can start from the beginning, from the education, to put it in the curriculum so, and also to have it uh, as um, courses in the university, advanced courses in the university. You said that you didn't stay in architecture for very long and you went into inclusion. So tell me about your important work that you do for the International Committee of the Red Cross. We tried our best to to support persons with disabilities in different programs, for example, in health and livelihood. Uh, shelter, wash, because here for, in Lebanon we have as well the refugees, the refugees with disabilities, so we try to support uh, the community. Currently with the ICRC we uh, work for the sports for people with disability, which is a very interesting uh, um, uh, program, which is focusing on wheelchair basketball activities and we also work for the employment of persons with disability. We train them on how to apply for jobs, how to do CVs, how to conduct interviews. So we focus on different fields as much as we can, and we have capacities to ensure their social inclusion. That was why I asked you about what it was like to apply for your first job, um, because I know for myself with a disability it was very difficult is that very common over in Lebanon? What are the sort of barriers that people are facing in gaining employment? Uh, I think this is the problem in Lebanon related to persons with disabilities and without disabilities because here in Lebanon we have financial situations, crisis problems. Finding a job and the salaries uh, are not so high. It's not easy to find a job, as I mentioned, for persons with disabilities or without disabilities. But for me, in my case, it wasn't, um, I don't feel that my disability uh, affected me from finding a job because I tried my best to, to, to really show that even with one hand, I can do all the uh, software and computer uh, things uh, that are needed in the architecture. I was practicing uh, a lot to be uh, fast, to be to have the full knowledge. So I really tried to work on my skills, not to show that my disability might, uh, it might affect me uh, in, in the expertise or the technical part. Uh, but I, as I told you, it was only two months I worked as an architect, but then I directly moved to the humanitarian field. And so when you're working with people with disabilities now to try and gain employment, what sort of areas do you really focus on in helping them? Yeah, the areas is that we always tell them, don't uh, feel that you are the victim. Going back to the uh, to the social model that the problem is only with the society, we always tell them, no, also you have the job to do, you have to improve your skills, you have to work on yourself, you have to, uh, first step is do your CV, uh, prepare yourself for an interview, uh, search for a job, attend the trainings. Uh, now we are, uh, we can open online courses, you can learn online, it's easy, everyone has a phone. So I always tell them, don't always blame society, don't always play. I know there is uh, challenges, but we as a person with disability, we should do something. We should learn. We should improve our skills in order to find a job. And you also mentioned that the 
International Committee of the Red Cross are also focusing on the importance of sport. So what sort of things are you helping people with disabilities in that area? Yeah, for sports, it's really important because uh, it's really affecting the mental health of persons with disability, their lives. They feel that they are uh, doing something, they are famous, they are players, we do games, we do events, we take pictures, they post it on their social media platforms. We do participate in, in, in international tournaments. For me, honestly, uh, a few years ago before joining ICRC, I was only feeling that employment and basic needs and education are more important than sports because i don't know maybe it's uh, due to the um, to the culture or what we've been through because we have unfortunately persons with disability are the most vulnerable and they are uh, poor so and they are facing financial uh, problems so i feel that give them money give them uh, work maybe it's uh, important but when we conducted all the activities related to to sports, I really felt how it can affect the mental health and also the health, the physical health of persons with disabilities and uh, the motivation, the feeling uh, it gives them. So it was really, really an, an important uh, aspect and field to focus uh, on. Are there specific barriers that are unique to disabled people in Lebanon or the Middle East in general that you think Western societies need to better understand? We are facing the barriers like other countries, the main barriers that are known, for example, the physical barriers, uh, attitudinal barriers, uh, uh, policies, all those barriers. I, I believe that uh, the majority of persons with disability are facing the same barriers. However, here maybe what we are facing more, um, I feel that things related to attitudinal barriers. For example, um, the stigma, the stereotype and uh, the perception, uh, for example, women with disability uh, facing more uh, things related to gender because women with disabilities here in our countries, they face a lot of uh, challenges related to getting buried or giving birth. Personally, I, I've been through those uh, barriers, so uh, I feel that attitudinal and financial barriers are uh, main barriers faced here. You also mentioned that you influence online and you have a social media following online. What's that been like? How have you found your audience? How do you find being disabled online? Yeah, uh, it started uh, during COVID. <laughs> I thought maybe I wanted to to film myself uh, how I put a nail polish with with a nail polish with one hand, and uh, I posted the video and my account was uh, private. But then I I saw how my friends are resharing the post, taking screenshots. So I felt maybe it's uh, I can. Uh, what about making my account public and post more videos to show people how I do things with one hand? So then I continued, I was uh, filming myself, uh, washing dishes, uh, uh, doing many activities, uh, cutting vegetables. P many people were supporting me, sharing the video. And what's really interesting that I got messages from other persons with disability uh, telling me, hi, hi, I have the same case, uh, but I'm, I'm shy. I don't show my hand. I wanted to learn from you. When I saw your videos, I felt more confident. 
and also I got some messages from caregivers and parents and they were asking me how was your childhood because I have a, ch a child with the same case I wanted to learn from you maybe he can meet you it's not easy to to create always content on Instagram to have followers and uh, views because I feel that the interest of people sometimes uh, it's more for funny videos or for clothes. I don't know other interests. So always uh, as a person with disability and uh, um, content creator, we need to be so much creative, uh, short and uh, delivering the message quickly. So yeah, uh, it needs a lot of work. Well, I have to say I love watching your videos and I learned from you too. So thank you for doing that. And I know how powerful it can be to really build a community and to know that you're helping people see themselves in you. So congratulations. Is there anything you don't like about living with your disability, Haya? Maybe um, this feeling of always... Um convincing others society that we can as a person with disability and i prefer if we would live a very normal life without trying to to convince or to show yeah that we can we can as a person with disability and also i can say that um responding to questions from people how we live how we deal and also uh, how sometimes the the stigma uh, and the stereotypes that people that we face as a persons with disability what we can do what we cannot do they really uh, uh, put assumptions about our capacities without uh, leaving it uh, to us i agree it can be really frustrating to constantly have to prove particularly mm. to strangers that you're actually okay and that you can do <laughs> many things yeah <laughs> So is there anything you like or even love about having a disability? We have some benefits as a person with disability. <laughs> no, I mean benefits of having little arm because I showed these videos when we I can put my hand in the jar or do something. So this is like a funny uh, benefit. In, in the inclusion concept and approach and principle, we should deal with persons with disability like persons without disabilities without having anything like persons with disabilities are superheroes or they are they only do the good things they are angels they don't do mistakes no mm -hmm. please we do mistakes we 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 are uh, at the end a human being i i would love if uh, uh, to see myself as a person with disability like as a person without seeing others uh, seeing me as a as a as an angel or superhero and finally what do you wish for the future of people with disabilities to live with dignity without uh, depending on uh, on others uh, without uh, really always proving that we can we can as a persons with disability and um, if they can have all their rights as a human being without asking for it and uh, of course they uh, as a person with disability we should prove uh, this and uh, and work on ourselves not only put that uh, all the barriers and the problems and the challenges are uh, society or the barriers we should do something as well as a persons with disability not to be the victims
let's work together on having a more inclusive society to advocate more, raise awareness on disability inclusion, and at the end, support each other, other others, other persons with disability. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, can I encourage you to leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on? I always love to scroll down on my podcasting app and look at the reviews. I know some people say not to read reviews, but I've been very lucky because all you guys listening are just lovely. And I really appreciate all feedback that you have. If you would like to contact me, I have an Instagram account. My handle is at Peter Hook, spelt P-E-T-A-H-O-O-K-E. Or you can send me an email, Podcast at gmail.com. Until next week, have a good one, guys. Bye. I'd like to pay my respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures, but especially to the Bunurong people where this podcast was recorded.